Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for his teaching. Thank you for the way by your spirit he speaks now. Illuminate our hearts and minds. Encourage us. Challenge us. Equip us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. John chapter 3, as we continue in our series on John, um, I'm conscious that it's chilly, so I'm just going to sort of punch this out, I think. (laughs) Uh, And then we can just get home to some warmth, via some warm coffee at the back, and friendship and so on. In him, John writes, verse 4 of chapter 1, the prologue, in him was life. In him was life. And as John has set up the prologue, so he'll, he'll sort of unpack that through his gospel, we come to the source of that life. Jesus saying to Nicodemus here, verses, well, verse 3 particularly, and verse 5, you must be born again. I wonder what you think when you hear that phrase, you must be born again. I guess most of us are familiar with the, the sort of epithet, born again Christians. And for some of us, I know immediately there's some kind of, there's a little frisson, or something we don't like about it. We, we, is there something in some of us that... Um, wants to say it with an American accent. I was, um, I was uh, on the Alpha Day away with some uh, lovely Americans in our congregation, one of whom is sitting within striking distance. <laughs> I was being coached on how to say you, don't say, you don't say, you don't say born again, you say born again. Is that good? Thank you very much. Born again. You must be born again. And, and as we say, born again, we always go, oh, well, that's them. That's not me, that's not us, that's not normal people. Um, that's the sort of exclusive lot, that's the elitist lot. I remember I, I was rehearsing that uh, a lady in uh, the first church where I served as curate came up to me, she's clearly concerned that I should know that she was a Christian, but not one of those born-again Christians. And uh, there was clearly a distinction in her mind, but not in Jesus. If we understand the pages of scripture, it it couldn't be clearer here. If anyone wants to see the kingdom of God, verse 3, or to enter the kingdom of God, verse 5, we must be born again. Um, Not an option, but a command of Jesus. So I've got three quick questions. Why, what, how? to do with being born again. First of all, why? Why do we need to be born again? Why is it Jesus is commanding that here to Nicodemus? Well, I think it is for this simple reason, that apart from God, we are dead. Rather stark. (laughs) I know it's a bit chilly in here, but Tim, you don't have to go that far. But it's true. It's a scriptural truth. It's a biblical truth. It's a spiritual truth that apart from God... We're not just a a little worse off, we are dead. Paul makes it very clear in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2. He says to you Gentiles, you formerly, in your former way of life, I mean he acknowledges that we went about living, eating, drinking, being merry, in, in the kind of physical or material realm, you went around and you were, in that sense, alive. But you were dead in relation to God. Lost in the ways of your sin. Your separation from God. But, he goes on, I think it's verse 4 of chapter 2 in his letter to the Ephesians. But 
God in Christ made you alive. And that life, that coming alive to God, starts with a birth, just as physical life begins with a birth. So in the spiritual realm, apart from God, we are, we are dead. And therefore, we need to be born again. Notice who Jesus is speaking to when he, he makes this reference. It's to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. Indeed, Jesus uh, calls him Israel's teacher, verse 10. Well-versed in the scriptures, in Torah, in what it was to be God's chosen people. He's a member of the council, we see in verse 1. So he's respectable, wealthy, he has status. We might say that Nicodemus was one of those guys who has, he has it all. Again, to borrow an, an Americanism, he's the man. Do you like that? Not so good. Mm. It's a hard congregation to please these days. He, he was it, he was the kiddie on the block. He, he had everything, security, status, wealth. And yet Jesus clearly sees a need. You must be born again. You've got to start again. That's why Jesus teaches that. But what is it that he's teaching, secondly? What is it that he's referring to when he says, you must be born again? Again, back to the prologue, just over the page. Chapter 1 and verse 12. John talking of Jesus as this life. He says, verse 12, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. What is Jesus referring to? Well, he's, he's referring to a life that is born of God. He's referring to the fact that we become God's children, verse 12. He gave the right to become children of God, as it were, born into his family if you like, with his DNA, his genes, his lifeblood, his breath, giving you life as his child. And do you notice that there are some sort of distinctions that, that, that John sets up here in chapter 1 and verse 12. This is uh, born into God's family, becoming children of God, but children born not of natural descent. There's a word to the Jews who assumed that if you had the happy fortune to be born into a Jewish family as a male, you were circumcised, you observed the different feasts and uh, celebrations, then you were, you were part of God's chosen people. You were, you were acceptable and counted as righteous before God. And Jesus says, no, John is saying, uh, of Jesus, no longer. This new covenant that Jesus will set up, it, it's not dependent on, on, on natural descent. Being born a Jew 2,000 years ago, or being born as British or Western in the 21st century counts as nothing if we are to enter into God's kingdom and live his life. Just because we were born in what has traditionally been seen as a Christian country, it doesn't make us a Christian any more than if I happen to have been born in a McDonald's restaurant would make me a hamburger. Or if I was to move to uh, the Middle East, or to, to uh, let's say Egypt, would make me necessarily a Muslim. It's not to do with place, but to do with a relationship with God as he gives us his new birth. It's not to do with human activity, not a you see in verse um, 13, not a human decision, nor a husband's will. This birth, this 
this life of God is born by the Spirit. And again, Jesus backs that up. Chapter 3 and uh, verse 5, verse 6. He acknowledges there are two kinds of birth. There's a flesh that gives birth to flesh. In other words, he's referring just to what we have all experienced and goes on all around us, particularly in this church at this time. A man and a woman come together in sexual union and a life is conceived. There's a gestation period. There's a birth. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But, and Jesus wants to to see the distinction here, but something distinctly different. Spirit gives birth to spirit. it's, It's something that we need to pay particular attention to. It's not as if the physical birth can kind of somehow slide into spiritual birth. There is a distinct event being born again. It's vital that we understand this. This is not Jesus talking about reformation. He's talking about an utter and complete transformation. Let me illustrate it with another realm of life. Supposing you have an apple tree, but actually you want to grow pears. So what do you do? You see, if you you cut off the apples from the apple tree, you say, great, there are no more apples now on this this tree. So hopefully it will start bearing pears. Well, what happens next spring, summer? The the, the buds come through and the the things come through and it will grow apples. You think, okay, right, I'll cut off all the apples and what I'll do is I want it to grow some pears, so I'll get some pears and I'll kind of stick them onto the branches and the buds to kind of prime the pump. You know, I'll sort of try and encourage the tree to sort of, you know, so you can see the kind of thing I'm wanting it to grow into. So we'll put all sorts of, you know, pear things on them to encourage pairiness. The tree will kind of get the idea. As long as it's sort of around pears and sort of sees pears all around, it'll, it'll grow pears. And you're laughing because you, you know that's plainly ridiculous. An apple tree will always grow apples because it's at root. Its very essence, its very being, it's an apple tree. You've got to, you've got to completely transform that situation, uproot it and replant a pear tree if you want to grow pears. And so it is with us. Jesus hasn't come to make us a little bit better. Jesus didn't come to make us a little bit more ethical or a little bit more moral or or good. Jesus came to bring new life to dead people. That's what it means to be born again. It, It starts with that recognition that I am dead And that the only fruit that my life bears outside of God is the fruit of sin and death. And God in his grace has come to do something about that fruit bearing. He's come to uproot it. To heal and restore it. In order that we might be transformed from death to life by virtue of a new birth. By virtue of being born of the spirit flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit why? because we're all dead and we need God's new life what? well it's the life of God being born in us we must be born again so finally how? how do I embrace this new birth? how am I born again? I'm conscious that many of us here 
as I ask that question, you'll think back to a time. It may, you may be able to think to a specific event or to a period of time when you actually you, you, you took that step of faith. You received God's new life. That, that's the short answer. It, it is to receive it. It's a gift. If you were here last week, I, do you remember I had a bar of chocolate? And uh, I, I just was making the point that we, we can't earn our way to God. It's a gift that we receive. I just gave the cho- bar of chocolate to a young member of the congregation. It, it's a gift. We, we, we struggle with that so much. We wrestle with it. But do you see in John chapter 1 and verse 12, to all who received him, how do I welcome the life of God? How do I allow the life of God in me? You receive the gift that he's longing to give through Jesus and by his spirit. That is to say you connect to Jesus in order to receive the supply of the spirit as it were and new life begins it's it's uh, the new birth is the beginning of a process of ongoing life and living and uh, you, you may mark I don't know where you are on that on that line it may be that uh, there are some of us here this morning you're conscious you've you've never consciously asked God to come into your life and to give you the gift of life by new birth. You've never consciously asked God to fill you with his spirit. It it may be that you you know of Jesus, but have you actually connected yourself to him, as it were? I was using the analogy yesterday of a house and the water mains. Uh, And it's one thing to be connected to the mains, but it's another to turn on the tap and receive the supply. Uh, And both are necessary. Connection to Jesus and the reception, the infilling of his spirit so that we might be born and live for him. And it's a process. I wonder where you are on that process. I I remember in in terms of using the analogy of the birth of our children. I remember before we had children, Joe and I, there was a period of time when I thought, you know, children is for kind of losers. To be honest, I mean, think of the spontaneity that we have in our lives. Someone could ring us up and say, hey, do you fancy coming out? You drop everything and go. Great, jump in the car. <laughs> Wouldn't have to sort of spend three hours packing the car with all the baby. You know, you just go. Fantastic. I remember, and I remember you sort of seeing these, um, you know, these guys. I thought, you know, couples. I thought, you know, they were, they were sort of, I thought they were okay until suddenly they're all sort of gooey and, you know, look. And I thought, ah. And, you know, occasionally they say, oh, Tim, Tim, do you want to hold? I'm like, Tim, right. But you know, funny, you've been married a, a year or two, and um, I remember seeing one guy, and he was sat, he was a young dad, and he just looked so cool. He was sitting, sort of slouched in a, in a chair, and he had his, his legs up crossed like that, and in the kind of cradle that his leg created was his little baby. And I just thought, that looks really cool. <laughs> and it just, yeah, I don't know, something began, little seeds began to sow in my mind. I thought, maybe it wouldn't be, I'm thinking, oh, I could, maybe I could. Maybe. I remember once opening my wallet and thinking, I don't need all this money. Why don't I invest in shares in Calpol and Pampers? <laughs> Maybe little sort of smudges and little sort of sick marks here. Maybe a little sort of little fashion accessory. It'd be all right. In the fullness of time, we conceived and, uh, uh, yeah, the time came for, when the time came for Becky to be born, I was just so excited in anticipation. I mean, a complete, a complete transformation had taken place in me 
even before the birth. I remember, I mean, no amount of preparation. I can remember when, when uh, Becky was born, and the very first thing I could think to say is, is, there she was. Suddenly she just appeared, and there she was. And I said, it's a baby. <laughs> like, what was I expecting? <laughs> kind of fridge freezer. Here's the thing, because you know, with the, with the, how how do we allow the life of God to be born in us? You must be born again, and we think rather like Nicodemus. Oh my goodness, something extraordinarily tr- dramatic, you know, like being born through your mother's womb for the second time. You know, you can't get your head around it. Here's the thing about when Becky was born. A few hours later, just letting Joe have a bit of rest and recovery, and I walked out of the hospital. I, I was wearing exactly the same clothes as when I walked in. I went back to the same house that we lived in before we went in. I drove in the same car. I had the same job. I had the same friends. It was more or less the same weather. Nothing had changed. But everything had changed. Because as I walked into that hospital, I was Tim, husband. When I walked out of the hospital, I was Tim, husband and father. And now I was making plans not just for one or two people, but for three people. And now I was working for a different family setup. And now my future plans and hopes and dreams, the whole thing had changed. And bit by bit, this little life grew in influence in my life. I realized that, that uh, I was kind of living a, a new identity. I was walking down, and had, uh, had her in a buggy for a little while and, um, when she was quite young. And those of you who know, you've got young children, you know what an attraction they are. And I was walking in the park, and these two ladies came the other way. They were young ladies, and from memory, n- not unattractive. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought, oh, hi. <laughs> and they, they went, you know, I could tell, they were sort of, hi, loser. Look at your little... Oh. And immediately, they were in, and I thought, well, we'll capitalize here. I said, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the father of that child. And they went, oh, right. No, 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 no. And I, I suddenly realized I was losing. That it wasn't about me. It was about this life that was growing around me. And actually, I, I, I saw that was the most satisfying and most fulfilling thing. It was the most exciting thing. I didn't lose anything of who I was, although it was costly, of course. There were late nights and uh, broken nights and all the worries and anxieties. There's loads of cost. But I wouldn't have traded it. The editorial comments from my wife just here, which... <laughs> I'm going to ignore. Joe had sleepless nights. <laughs> That's just going to save me trouble over the, 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 the Sunday lunch. So yeah. There's a cost. There's a cost, but it was, oh, it was so worth it. So worth it. And so it is with the life of God born in us. This tiny little influence grows and grows and grows until actually we, we want to re-understand ourselves in light of this life. Yes, it's costly, but it's worth it. I finish now just by asking two questions. One is, if you've never actually taken the step of inviting God to be born in you, so that it might be said you are born again with the life of God living in you, then I beg you, make the most of this opportunity right now. You'll know, if you're ready, that one of the ways in which, just an observation about dead people, dead people don't know that they're dead. 
So one of the ways that you'll know that you're dead is that you don't think that you are. In which case, hang around. Uh, just hang around life. And, and, and eventually, that, the work of God, by his spirit, he'll be working on you. In that kind of gestation period, you'll recognize and realize that actually you are dead and you want to be alive. One of the ways in which you can know you are alive, that you have been born again, is that you know you were dead. And you recognize that you have received new life in Christ. And there may be some of you who are at that point of recognition. You want to take that step of faith. You want to say to God, thank you for the gift of new life in Christ by his spirit. I want to connect to Christ to receive his life-giving spirit. Spirit giving birth to spirit. In a few moments of silence, I'd love to give you that opportunity in just a few minutes. It may be that for many others of us, we know that we've asked God into our lives, but actually there are areas where we've been asleep, as it were. Alive, but asleep. And the invitation comes to live life wide awake. Maybe in the realm of, uh, of our relationships. Perhaps a particular relationship where we've just been sort of bumbling along. It could be a marriage or a romantic relationship, courtship. Or one particular person, perhaps at work or in the house, in the home. And we've just been asleep, nodding off to, to spiritual realities, to responsibilities. And the call of the Lord now, by his spirit, is for us to wake up. We're alive. Now, wake up, fully awake and living for him. A moment of quiet for each of those two categories. And I invite every single one of us to respond to God's word. To Jesus, as he says to Nicodemus, and so he says to each of us, to see the kingdom of God, to live in the kingdom of God, to be born again. I want to just say a short prayer for any who want to make that first step of receiving new life, of being born into God's family, of receiving the right to be a child of God. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you'd like to make this prayer your own, you feel this morning God is calling you to take that step from death to life and into his family, then why don't you, as it were, echo this prayer in your heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you for his offer of new life. Thank you that he can be born in me by your Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, I recognize that I have been dead. And I want to live new life. I received the gift of new life. I ask Jesus to come into my life. To forgive me my sin and my rebellion. And I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Lord and the giver of life. Please fill me with your spirit. And enable me to live my life for you. 
for Jesus' sake. Amen. The second prayer, just for any of us who want to wake up to God in whatever area of life he's calling us to be a wide awake and alert. Father, as you have come into our lives and filled us with your spirit, now we pray more of your spirit. Fill us. We want to say sorry for those areas and ways and times where we've dozed off. Forgive us. And now prompted by your word this morning, Lord, come and fill us afresh by your spirit so that we might be wide awake to you and to your kingdom and to your purposes for our life. Just take a moment to receive God afresh. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.